0: Hello and welcome to Mental Health Insights in the Bible. My name is Craig Faust and I'm here with Matt Tilly. Hi, Matt. Hey, Craig. Today, uh, our podcast is a podcast dedicated to really helping us understand how being a healthy human, in this case, a mentally healthy human, we can do so by understanding what the Bible says about being human, and acting as a human, and kind of really looking at it through that lens. You know, how to become a healthy human, biblically, and through the, you know, biblical lens. And this, uh, just a little bit about Matt and myself, and Matt, you can feel free to jump in. We are both therapists, and we're both people of faith as well. And one of the experiences that we have a lot is we will sit across other people in our office and do the, re- the restrictions of our field, really. We cannot always have these conversations of faith. And it's really easy to see in our field a lot of the struggles that people are having. And as a believer, see that some of those struggles that they're having are actually because they're living in a way that they're not really meant to.
1: Right. Right. Sometimes I will do my best to bring spirituality into the room. Um, If somebody is not a believer, not a Christian, um, and even though that I think that's important and
0: helpful, uh, it misses the mark. Right. It's kind of really vague. Yeah, exactly. Um, I think that spirituality is a very kind of 21st century term. Mm-hmm. where it's like, okay, well, like there's this thing out there. Right. And the problem is human beings are not vague in their function and who we are. And a lot of times the more vagueness that we use around this language, the more confusing it can get. Exactly. It's almost as
1: though society or our culture realized, oh, we're missing something bigger, right? And so we came up with this this vagueness, right, to... Meet some itch in our life, but it doesn't fully satisfy. It still leaves us wanting. I believe,
0: right? Well, and there's such truth in that, uh, such truth that we decided to make this podcast and have different conversations around this, specifically with the focus on mental health. Now, if we look at the ancient Hebrews, they didn't really have a lot of language around mental health. So, whenever we actually look at scripture. There are very few times that Scripture actually speaks directly to mental health. So a lot of what we're going to be gleaning is through reading through different Scripture and unpacking it through our own lens and our current understanding of mental health. And one of the things that we're going to find out is that our current like understanding of mental health is actually catching up to where the Bible was already leading us mm-hmm.
1: so long ago. Exactly. Right. The Bible... Uh, I- I like to understand it or describe it like this, but the Bible is not written as a uh, counseling book necessarily. It's not written as a direct and intentional science book or a history book, Uh, but it includes all of those things in there. Um, And we have to understand how to read it, how to read a book or a, a piece of literature differently than the next but we find
0: mental health insights scattered all throughout Scripture. Right. And I think that when we're thinking about this, so we'll talk a little bit about how to read the Bible. Um, if this is something that you're really interested in, it's important to mention, neither Matt and I are not theologians. Uh, our education isn't in that area And even though this is a place that we occupy, if you're looking for that type of thing, plenty of other really great resources out there to really understand how to read the Bible. And really, the things that we'll be going over in this podcast, like I said, the the focus is going to be on mental health, but um, it's going to be more of a fundamental level. And if you're really wanting to dive into the true depths of what the Bible is, Uh, There are plenty of good podcasts and resources. Mm -hmm. Um, I I know that uh, one of the resources that's near and dear to my heart is the Bible Project Podcast. Uh, I'm not sure if there are any resources that you use, Matt, just as far as like reading and understanding the Bible. I I know your education included it a lot more than mine did. Yeah. Tons of amazing authors out there.
1: Um, In fact, I would just recommend pick up the Bible. (laughs) Read through it understand it in all of its weirdness and complexity and
0: uh, all of the really hard parts. (laughs) Don't pass those up. Right. So we are going to shift into talking a little bit about the Bible, but before I uh, start reading um, the kind of topic of today's discussion, I want to kind of preface this. Something Matt said right there is really important the is not a history book, it's not a science book, um, it's ancient Hebrew meditation literature. It is prophecy, it is poems, mm-hmm. and we have to orient ourselves to the culture in which this is written, which is, you know, it's written to ancient Israelites um, primarily, right. and the thing is that this being meditation literature, what it means is that we are to spend a lifetime understanding it and to really gleaning wisdom from its pages so there may be times where Matt and I will talk to you about the understanding that we have currently and we may you know continue to build upon that because that's how the bible is meant to be read it's mm-hmm. meant to be understood and some of the especially like whenever we're considering like mental health there are some of these like golden nuggets that we just have to dig for and put a little more effort in and to really truly reveal the truth of the life around us. So let's go ahead and uh, the, the topic that we're going to be talking about, the first place that we kind of get to in the Bible that really has any mentions of humans is in Genesis 1, verse 26. And I believe I'm reading uh, the King James version of the Bible here. Um so for those of you that those versions matter. Um, It says, And God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and all over the earth, and over every creeping thing, and creepeth upon the earth. Gotta love the New King James Version. So this is something that's so important. We are images of God. And in, gosh, it's it's the 26th verse of, of Genesis 1 that human beings are kind of, or the, the nature of human being is introduced there. So important because we're going to start unpacking this image of God, and there's a lot here. And I think that like even me just reading a little bit of that right there, there's a certain amount of reverence that we have. We have dominion over things on the land, things in the sky. And to truly understand that depth of this this image, we're going to break this off into several episodes. But today we're going to give a slight overview just to kind of give you a picture of where we're going to be going.
1: Right. Uh, we wanted to talk a little bit more about... Just generally, while we may delve more into depth in future episodes about the image of God, generally, how do we understand the image of God? What does that even mean to to mirror him, to reflect him? Um, what are the components that, that go into being an image bearer? Uh, there are many characteristics of God. We see that all throughout Scripture. It's important to understand, you know, who, how does God engage with his people? Because that's where we see who he is come out, um, how he jumps into the story, right? Uh, but one of the most helpful things that I think I remember hearing in seminary is that as image bearers, and you don't have to be a Christian to image God because we are all created in his image that we have inherent worth value and dignity uh we can create beautiful things beautiful things works of art architecture um stories because we image the ultimate creator we can love somebody with everything in our heart because we image the ultimate lover, the one who first loved and gave life. Um, And so to recognize that some of the most beautiful parts of us, of who we are individually come as a direct result of the fact that we image the most divine
0: being God. Well, and to think of the sheer magnitude of this, a, a being that's beyond our understanding and um, Matt and I were talking a little before we hit the record button that this is uh, God is someone that you form a relationship with to continue to understand which is usually what you do with other people too like you start a relationship and the more and more that you talk with them the greater understanding that you have with them and the deeper the relationship goes um, right here in just these beginning passages Matt is talking about this dignity that we have this value that God has placed on us being these images, these reflections of them. And we are to have dominion over the creatures of the air, creatures of the land. There is a certain reverence that is that is put on us because we are reflections of God. There's a certain amount of reverence uh, to God that we see all throughout the Bible. And um, I think that whenever we think about these image, I don't know why, like whenever I think of the image, I think of my son. Mm. Uh, my son is an image of me cause mm-hmm. he looks like me. Mm-hmm. And, um, I would say there are times that he also behaves like me, um, because I behave pretty childish a lot. So, um, there's definitely times where, you know, at the, at the onset of this recording, my son is three years old and, um, the thing is that even though he doesn't behave like me all the time he has certain aspects of me like i like i mentioned before his looks his personality he speaks in, in very similarly the way that i do in, in certain circumstances and he will continue to grow up and he will distinguish himself di- distinguish himself from me but there are going to be some traits of me that he's going to carry with him all the time whether and, he likes it or not. Yeah, exactly. Whether he likes it or not. And because of that, right, because of that, he has an inherent value to me. I have inherent love towards him. He is my image. And unlike uh, how human beings are to God, we are an image of pieces of God. And we reflect, we as a people reflect everything um, that God is. And a lot of times we don't even quite reach that. But God still has inherent value with us. And I think that even as we talk about the images, I don't know, it comes in my mind, like there are different components, right? And we see this all the time in our counseling sessions where people are having certain identity crises. Mm, or, so many times. Yeah, or they have confusion about like who they are, and they have a... Challenge in forgiving themselves and loving themselves or really even just um, even accepting help. So there are these components, these roles that we have as images of God and in Genesis you know, one twenty-six, it talks about right there, right? We have dominion over things. So often we go through this life feeling like we don't have really dominion over anything, mm-hmm. especially ourselves. Mm-hmm. And As we go through and we unpack some of these components, that'll hopefully become more clear as to what are things that are getting in the way of that? What are things that are stopping us from really kind of being that image that we're called to be?
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, And I think I see that part of that dysfunction come into the counseling room in two ways of uh, somebody who is too aggressive too uh authoritarian um too prideful right too boastate of themselves too invested in themselves where you know they almost may make an idol out of either things in their life or themselves right i am bigger and better than other people in my life and i see that in the exact same way but flipped where I'm not anything, I'm lesser than other people. I have no worth, I have no value. Other things and other people um, are of infinitely more value than me. Um, And they both miss the point, right, that we have dignity and worth, but we are not God.
0: Right. Well, and even just hearing you use that word idol, so, Matt is actually jumping ahead to Exodus, I think, might be the first time that idols are mentioned. Um, And so, like, us being images of God, you know, uh, one of the things that's often cited a lot in the Bible is, like, God God is patient and long-suffering. The few times that we see God get really, really, from what we may view from our own human perspective, angry, is usually whenever there's some type of idolatry going on, where human beings are worshiping idols, or they make idols, or different things like that. And this kind of makes sense when we look at the context of even just this first, first passage, us being the image of God, whenever we make an idol out of something, whether or not it's even, I mean, you know, think about uh, in today's world, the different uh, TikTok stars or, you know, influencers or whatever we want to call them. You know, we make idols out of different people or make idols out of different things. You know, I really want a Tesla, you know, that really (laughs) feels like that would kind of elevate my image to everyone else in my life. Um, But the thing is that, Whenever we make idols out of other things, that actually diminishes mm-hmm. who we are, and it actually diminishes who's God, who God is, mm-hmm. which becomes a uh, that becomes one of the many problems that the ancient Israelites, uh, you know, get confronted with in the Bible over and over and over. Yeah, but of course we see it play out today, right? Where. We as human beings, and of course, we'll get to this as we continue to read in Genesis and in later episodes, where you know you have Ab and Eve that make a choice to you know about deciding good and evil on their own terms, and this creates this huge rift and that will have to be. Um, You know, that that will have to be resolved and it'll take the entire biblical story and even up to our current time for that resolution to uh, occur. So we as people are the image of God whenever we use other things as idols. This creates this disconnect where all of a sudden we are not being who God created us to be. And when we don't, and when we're not able to be who God is calling us to be, there becomes this huge disconnect. You know, I think of it as, uh, I don't know, maybe kind of a a little bit of a funny example, right? It's like, it'd be like if my uh, parents, they told me my whole life, hey, you know what, Uh, you know, you're going to be a professional athlete. And, you know, I get all, you know, I practice hard, let's say baseball, right? Good American pastime. We both live in America. Uh, So the, you know, I'm training to be the best baseball player that I can be. And my parents keep planting the seed in my heart and I just don't make it. You know, there is, so like a huge part of my identity is been dedicated to baseball. And because I am not achieving that, there becomes this rift in my life where I feel like my parents may be disappointed in me, I'm not happy with myself, and because I've dedicated so much of my life and time towards that, Mm -hmm. this rift turns into conflict that we would see in counseling, right? And we Mm -hmm. may call it like identity crisis, it may cause anxiety or depression, all kinds of things. That we, you know, we use a label in our modern world to help us understand a little bit about what's going on with a person, but there is this conflict that's happening because this person, you know, in this situation, me, is not who I was told that I was. And right here, the Bible is clearly trying to help us understand who we are even very early on. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, that happens in that
1: moment what you described when we are performing and pursuing and trying to earn something outside of ourselves, right and it is crushing when we don't get it and when we do get it it's destructive mm-hmm. and it puts us in this loop of i am what i do i am what i achieve i am fill in the blank, right? Anything that we are worshiping, that we are thinking about, that we are striving for mm-hmm. outside of God. But when we think about the image of God, it is telling us you don't have to do anything. You just are. You are my creation. You are my children. And it takes so much of that weight and that pressure off. And it makes failing infinitely easier knowing that i don't have to be perfect at this i don't have to achieve this in order to still be known and loved in order to still be who i am nothing can take that away so it gives us so much more freedom to go out into the world and take risks
0: and i love that right well and if you even consider this right so you know I think it becomes really hard because we hear this, and our culture is not really set up this way. Our culture is not an unconditional love culture. And you know what? It wasn't that kind of culture for the ancient Israelites either. So it's not like these texts were introduced to a people that, you know, they were very different culturally than we are. Mm -hmm. Um, But they were not introduced to a people, and this is just widely accepted, right? As you go through the Bibles— uh, stories and the narratives in there, uh, you quickly find out that human beings just continue to fail again and again mm-hmm. and again, and it's through God's grace and mercy and love that you know God keeps on working with uh, with us um, and creates this plan that the Bible uh, lays out and kind of helps us get comfortable with. So, just kind of reviewing a little bit, we talk about this this image God that we are the image of God. There's these different components, these different roles that we have, this this identity that we have, this like inherent dignity and love that God has for us, and really this kind of this station that we're called to that a lot of times we ourselves don't fully understand or we might not really move into. So, But nonetheless, it is what we are called to. It's what we are created to do. And we have this last part that I think is inherently important as well is that God has created us in a way that all of his people are to reflect his image, which means that we cannot reflect his image in isolation. Mm -hmm. You know, I think of, uh, I can't remember what they're called, those, uh, you know, sometimes you get like uh, those artistic creations where people will take, you know, they'll break like a mirror up and they will paste different like mirrors and and things like that and create like some type of cool design. And it's kind of like a mosaic type thing. And the cool thing about it is that if you look at one piece of this broken mirror, this tiny piece that may be, uh, you know, a couple centimeters um, large, you're not going to really see a lot of your face. But if you back up, you can see a larger portion of who you are reflected in this. It's very much like that whenever we think of God and and like how we are the images. So there's a social component that is built into this. And uh, we will unpack this a little more as we continue to read through Genesis because God's going to create Adam and then God will create Eve. So we understand with the creation of Eve that man it's not good for man to be alone. And uh, I think that's actually one of the first times that God says not good mm-hmm. exactly. <laughs> in, the, in the Bible. And that's a that's kind of like a big red flag for you if you're a reader that like, oh, okay, well, God says all these other things are good, and then boom, there's a not good. Mm-hmm. So we are inherently not meant to go through these different journeys alone. And a lot of times whenever we're suffering, uh, one of the first things that happens with any type of mental health condition is isolation usually starts to occur there is shame and guilt which automatically kind of take us away from other people and we start to hide a portion of ourselves. We start to hide who we really are or who we really feel like we might be. And in doing so, we actually help deepen the actually catacly, you know, this disconnect that we have from us being the image of God. But You know, because we're disconnecting ourselves from other people and this disconnection that we have from other people is probably in our current society, one of the things that can lead to us being injured the most. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. I think you're right on it, Craig, that shame is the thing that takes us away from all of the good things in our life. It disconnects us from our community, from our closest friends, from God. Um, and we see that show up in Genesis as well, that God made Adam and Eve. Well, one, he created Eve uh, after he recognized, yes, it's not good for man to be alone. So, yes, we are created in the context of relationships. That's part of our image of God because in the beginning, he didn't exist alone. He existed within the Trinity. So he had companionship as well. He had relationships. But then when the fall happened, right, Adam and Eve went straight to shame. When they were created, they were naked and unashamed. Those are some of the words that that scripture uses. Mm -hmm. But when they fell, what did they do? They went and they hid. They blamed each other. They covered their bodies. All which are indicators of shame in its disconnection. Mm-hmm. It's hiding and it's running away. That's what we do in our shame. Um, and I find that so fascinating that today that's still how shame shows up in our life. We run away, we hide, we cover ourselves, mm-hmm. we point the finger at the other person, we hide from the people we love the most. People we were created to be in relationship with, and we hide from God. Right.
0: Well, and even just tagging onto that a little bit, right? Um, we see two different ways that people can deal with shame, even reflected in that story, right? So uh, Eve is, Eve is deceived by the snake and uh, takes this apple. It's good in her eyes. She takes it to Adam. They eat of it. Um, Then they have the knowledge of good and bad, and when they get the knowledge of good and bad, they hear God coming, and up until this point, they're in perfect communion with God, Mm -hmm. something that um, believers now can only hope to achieve. And, uh, you know, they clothe themselves, so you have this this shame where they are both hiding themselves, and a wonderful thing happens, God calls out to them, and Adam throws Eve under the bus. Mm Mm-hmm. And not totally. only does he throw under, Eve under the bus, he he then blames God, too. Yeah. This, this woman, woman you, you gave, gave me, <laughs> me. <laughs> right? So, like, sometimes whenever we're dealing with that shame,
1: mm.
0: we push people away yes. by blaming them. And, you know, we don't read in the story that, like, Eve argues back or anything like that. And, you know, maybe she did. I don't know. But the way that this hits me is that so many people wear their shame silently and they will yes. not get angry and push other people away. Instead, they will accept the shame and they will they will be like, hey, you know, they're right. This is my fault. I mm-hmm. suck. Mm-hmm. And because this is who I am and I'm an awful person, they will further isolate themselves. So right. you have this injury that ends up happening right there early on. Right? Where Adam Adam causes this blame, and how many times do we see this in our relationship? Because you know what? I blame my wife for a lot of things all the time, even unintentionally. I go through the kitchen. I'm like, hey, like you're sitting down here for 20 minutes. Did you unload the dishwasher, right? Mm -hmm. There's inherent blame in that. So like all of a sudden, what I just did is I created some disconnect right there. And we see this happen all the time. All the time. It becomes hard, right, because all of us deal with feelings and emotions in different ways. So there's this social component of who we are as the image of God that makes it so fundamental that we are to worship God individually as people, but as a community as well. Yes, And we are able, you know, and really there is a certain harmony that we are supposed to kind of work towards with other people and loving them and caring for them and even even to some extent taking care of each other that we are called for. So th- this is all different components, all different things that are part of this image, and they become revealed to us as we continue to read through Scripture and as that becomes a little more clear. Yeah,
1: I, I feel like we could have quite a few more episodes just talking mm-hmm. more in depth about that in and of itself. But I think as we begin to, to maybe start wrapping up here, It's also important to note that to understand how we image God, we need to understand who God is. Who are we reflecting? And that is a feat that will take the rest of our lives. And even then, on the other side of glory, we will never be able to fully comprehend and understand this divine being. It's impossible. He is so far above us, so far above our understanding. And yet, we still have some capacity to understand him because we are called to be in relationship with him. And so that will be a, a worthwhile goal as we talk about this is, well, who is God? Um, what are those characteristics that show up in scripture? How do we understand him, not just by naming traits that he has but how does he show up in the story of scripture and looking at the bible as as a whole context is king Uh, one of the the phrases that gets thrown a lot around a lot whenever trying to understand and interpret scripture Important to look at how God shows up in this moment with the Israelites in this moment with Adam and Eve in this moment as his wrath comes down in this moment as he sends his son to the cross. Well, the way that he engages with us says a lot about how he is and who he is. Um, And yet it's still going to fall short of of all that encapsulates God. Mm -hmm. That's who we image. And that in and of itself is so beautiful
0: and glorious. Well, and even tagging on that, I think it's important. The Bible isn't written to help us fully understand God, that's not its purpose. The Bible is telling us our story as humans. And a lot of times... Our story of redemption. Right. And a lot of times as we as humans understand more of what this means to be the image, a lot of times God becomes a little more clear in that. And the actions that we see God take make a little more sense. Mm -hmm. So part of our job as we go through and uh, we start to unpack in greater detail these different aspects of the image and how that impacts our mental health, how that impacts how we walk throughout the world, is going to be kind of trying to clue into some of these pieces and discovering God along the way uh, to having that greater understanding. Because, you know, understanding this being that we are reflecting, understanding God, helps us understand who we are. But a lot of times with the Bible, we're going to get a much clearer idea of who we are the by a much clearer idea of who god is by looking at all right how are we the image what is it that we see here what is it that god is asking of these people and what does that mean for me today right how can my understanding of this be today as we kind of glean the wisdom out of the text that we're reading yeah i'm very excited
1: to explore more of that with you with all of you guys listening um It's going to be a joy to walk through this journey with you all.
0: All right. So, like I said, we'll be going through this Image of God series, and we appreciate you guys joining us. Just like Matt Mm -hmm. said, this will be a joy going through, and um, really even hopefully in the future getting the chance to know some of our listeners as well. Yeah. Uh, But until next time, uh, we thank you guys for listening to this podcast. We'd ask that if you've enjoyed it, please you know, give us a five-star rating. If you guys also enjoy this, you know, please tell your friends and family about it. We'd love to go on this journey with all of you together. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening to Mental Health Insights in the Bible. This podcast is conducted by two licensed professionals in mental health counseling, but this podcast is not meant to provide medical or legal advice and is not a substitute for personal counseling. The song on our podcast is called Indie Folk by Alexi Action, found on Pixabay.
1: If you are listening to this and feel that you may be a harm to yourself or others, please reach out to Professional, because we believe your life is worth it.